This is especially awkward because I do a full cast of welcome at the beginning, so I did not do that. <laughs> do you want me to do it? No, I got it. I mean, it's not me that you're you're borrowing it from, so I don't care. Yeah, but people are going to think it'll, I'm, t- I'm stealing credit, it'll, which no, I with, was with until... Me, with me here... Yeah, it's sort of true. I'm blessing. Yeah, that's right. right. (laughs) All right. This is Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find. In this episode, Sue goes to bed immediately after recording, but read Bound by Flames by Janine Frost. Mick read Shatter Me by Tahare Mafi, and special guest Ryan Nanny read Matched by Ali Kondi. Welcome to Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast. My name is Mick Dickinson. And I'm Susan Dickinson. And we are back here with... One of the weirdest episodes that I we've ever recorded, and maybe an episode of my life, but it's going to be a great time because, uh, as you can tell by the the podcast title, as you can tell by the tweet that almost certainly uh, was the reason you're our seventh listener, uh, we are here with a special guest tonight, and it, that special guest is someone that uh, is gonna we're gonna have a we're gonna have time for it, but we'll get to it. Uh, that guest is Ryan Nanny from the Shutdown Fullcast, from Twitter, from everybody's uh, uh, Twitter feeds. Uh, welcome to the show, Ryan. I hope it's not everybody's. Like, I, I oh, hope yeah. Twitter is not so broken that, like Elon's <laughs> account itself, my garbage is just being spewed at every, like, people who are just like, I just want to know what the weather is locally. You're the consolation prize for all of the people that block Elon Musk. They like Twitter makes it happen so that they automatically follow you. Wow! All right, and that's been our episode because Ryan's signing off. (laughs) Because of the existential crisis, I'm now okay. So I am tied to Elon. I am, I am Elon Musk's portrait of Dorian Gray online. (laughs) This is a lot to deal with, you guys. His understudy. Yeah. Official antithesis. Uh huh. Cool. I'll take that. Cool. You're Noel Musk. I'm going to check my bank account. Yes, I can confirm that that is true. <laughs> All right. So, Ryan, this uh, this is odd, uh, but much like, you know, remember from middle school uh, sex ed? That's a great way to start a sentence. <laughs> uh, from middle school sex ed where they said, you know, we're just going to say all the weird stuff first. We yeah. get the giggles out. Yeah. We're going to have to get uh, a, a light amount of fawning out of the way, okay. a light amount of uh, uh, starstruckness out of the way, which I know is probably kind of weird for you because you're just like a guy or whatever. Uh, but you have been a, a central part of my internet experience for some time. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm going to drop uh, uh, just a little just a little uh, sprinkling okay. of uh, reference here. Uh, Voyage of the Mimi. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah was yeah, probably... Yeah. Uh, that podcast when you're yeah get it right Susan's looking at us because she definitely less online than probably anyone else on <laughs> the Zoom call. That was probably the second podcast I ever downloaded after uh, the Film Drunk Frogcast. Uh, was the Voyage of the Mimi, a show I'd had no idea what it was and I've never seen it before. I still don't know what it is. Um, it's a science at, show. At Brian. some point after this, you should you should look it up. There's probably at least a clip on YouTube. This was an educational drama it was kind of like half drama half like just straight lessons uh that was surprisingly well made and and featured as the lead child in this production a young ben affleck it was all about this group of like uh, this this group that went out on like an uh they they were like oceanographers or something i don't know they were scientists who their boat hit trouble and they were like stranded on an island and they had to figure out like how to make water using a, a plastic tarp and it was very it, like it was very good for what yeah. it was i'm not oh, gonna that's... just talk for 40 minutes about voyage of the movie but i could damn do it because I, I didn't read good. my book no yeah. i'm just gonna yeah. <laughs> um yeah so that it was that i thinking back to it it's so web 2.0 that that was like an original idea was what if we watch the show and talk about it episode by episode. Yes. And now as a bad X, you know, bad, whatever review podcast, I can say that that is the only more hackneyed cliche, uh, podcast format, but you, you know, trailblazers that that everybody else has been copying us. That's correct. That's right. And we will be coming after them. 
If uh, <laughs> the true crime Brutally podcasts speaking. are the only ones that get off the hook here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. True crime number one. Yeah. Rewatch podcast number, number two. two. But uh, we're not exactly a rewatch podcast. We're a read for the. Well, actually, we might be a reread podcast, but we'll get to that. Um, we're a bad book podcast. So you you decided that in your yearly quest to hit as many podcasts as possible, you'd come on the only one with homework. <laughs> that, yeah. So far, that is true. I think the closest. <laughs> The closest so far has been on, I went on a podcast with uh, a bunch of craft brewers, and they were like, mm. bring a beer that you've never had before, and talk about it as you, and yeah, I, that's, listen. Res- that's better homework than what we Yeah, do. yeah, respectfully, <laughs> way better homework. Yeah. Hey, here's a question. Did yeah. you drink the rest of it while reading this book? Uh, no, I wish I had. No. I wish that, I had. That would have yeah. made it go down a little yeah. bit smoother. Yeah. Uh, one last question before we get into it, please. Uh, this is kind of awkward because like having followed you on the internet and on the podcast and everything, I know more about your life than it's comfortable to know about a stranger. That's my uh, fault. So you- really? So <laughs> you got, you have two children, correct? Yes, yep. I know nothing about your life. So I She's can be the less awkward even, even better. Even that is the great. structure of our marriage. After <laughs> That's all, that totally does fine. fit the rest of it. Uh, uh yes, yeah, so but- I got two kids. Do you have any advice for the parents of expecting a second, which is news we're dropping on this podcast for the first time? Congratulations. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> Thank you. All of, all of the things people say about the second is harder in some ways or is more tiring. Like, it's 100% mm-hmm. true. And, and I think 90% of it is you, you can't hand off anymore like you can't do like the best part about raising a a baby or a small kid with a partner is like you get to be each other's pressure release valve and just be Mm -hmm. like i need to go to the bathroom so you need to take this baby i haven't showered in two days so you need to take this baby i'm going insane go to the basement and cry that's right so you need to take this baby yes (laughs) and when you have two you can still do it, but it's a bigger ask. It's a bigger ask mm-hmm. to be like, will you take both of these children and go to the grocery store or something? Um, <laughs> it also, like, my this is maybe specific to the situation I'm in where my oldest is five years older than, mm-hmm. than uh, her brother. And so we had sort of gotten past most of the, the like, baby and toddler milestones. We had gotten really past all mm-hmm. of them. And so you go back and you start doing all these things again. You start changing diapers again. You start like physically feeding somebody. And it there's this, at least for me, this sense of like, oh, I already did all this shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like it's like replaying a video game where you you have to do like the first three levels, which are all intro and are all like, mm-hmm. here's the mechanics, and you're like, I already know all this. Can I skip? Yeah. To- oh God damn it! Well, now you get the chance for the girl playthrough. That's true. That's true. There's different yes. achievements. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. yeah. Ours are going to be 21 months apart. Okay. And one of my colleagues who has kids that are like 18 months apart described it as like, nah, man, you're just in it. Your yeah. whole life is diapers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And and there are it pros is. and cons. There are pros and cons to that. Like, yeah. you will, once you're done, you, you know, if, if you end up just having two kids, you'll be done. Whereas yeah. we, yep. we live like a, like, <laughs> I don't know, like a three year diaper free existence. And it's a hard thing to go back to. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you yeah. that. All right. Well, we'll keep that in mind as we, as we move forward, but we thought there's no better way to drop some news than on a person who has no idea what you're I love it. About, Congratulations. So. Yeah. Did you find that with the second you, you wanted to do everything much more casually? No big announcements. It's, you're just like, hey. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, so that's, that, this is the last thing I'll say on it. I mean, it's a little more casual. I think you still try to like have the same level of excitement because you're mm-hmm. not trying to start out with your second child is like, yeah, also you are here. Um, <laughs> but like in the way that with your first baby, you're very much like, okay, we got to be like super careful and gentle. And we're like, you're very fragile with the set at some point, maybe when he was like five months old with my second, I had him on my hip and I made an entire omelet with just one <laughs> hand, like cracked the egg, got the pan out, cracked the egg, put everything together, flipped it, turned all of that. And I, besides being very proud of myself, I was like, 
oh, with with our daughter, I never would have like brought her this close <laughs> to a hot stove when she because I would have been like, what if she flings herself into it somehow? <laughs> but now I'm just like, whatever, I got this, it's fine. Yeah. All right, I'll wait for that moment to strike. Yeah. But hopefully yeah. it will eventually. Yeah. So with with that, uh, uh, just vote of confidence let's let's take a look at something that fills me with dread instead uh and that is susan's book uh what is this called i should know called bound by flames by janine frost i gotta say so we joke a lot on this show that we are absolutely like on a list somewhere based on the (laughs) books we've downloaded to our kindles from Mm -hmm. amazon Mm -hmm. and our like what we've checked out from the library i view it as a form of rebellion big data has no idea what to make (laughs) i feel like it's almost worse now because when we go to the library it used to just be like we would get books for ourselves and then we would get books for the podcast (laughs) but now we're going and getting like a bunch of children's books and then Bound by Flames by Janine Frost that has a torso of a Vlad the Impaler on yeah. it. Like, what does the library think about us? That's something that we're not. Yeah, we're not just often. on the uh, Amazon list. We're on the you know Here, Iowa City. But here's Washington the thing: there has to be somebody weirder. There has to be a library patron weirder than you all. Take some comfort in that. They're they're almost certain. No, we've watched personally. Personally, rough stuff for this. (laughs) They let you stay in the library as long as you want. Some people, yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. Anyway, so I read a book called Bound by Flames, a Night Prince novel by Janine Frost. Can I tell you what interested me in it? Yeah, why did you pick this for me? Well, you see, uh, Layla's year on the Carney circuit. There, done. Uh, she's on the Carney circuit. That's all it took. She's not on the Carney circuit anymore, so that literally never gets mentioned. Oh, no. Oh, no. But so the, the weirdest thing was I started reading this book, and from the time that I read the acknowledgments, like something about this feels super familiar. Like I feel like I've read this book before or someone I know has read this book before. And I got to tell you, like a lot of the books that we've read, they all sort of blend together at some point because there's only so much like shifter, vampire, urban fantasy that you can read. And it all... It all has some shared Yeah, themes. so many down-home country romances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at one point, I actually looked back at my, like, Google Doc where I keep track of all the books that I've ever read, and I, like, searched for it. I was like, have I read this before? Yeah. And I hadn't. And so then I looked at Mick one day, and I was like, have you read this before for the podcast? And he was kind of looking at it, and he read the back of the book again, and he was like, wait, is there a scene at the beginning where they're like in the basement of a castle, and a helicopter drops a bunch of napalm? And I said, yeah. And he was like, yeah, I read that for the podcast like five years ago. That's a very specific scene. Very yes. specific. Um, so we've yeah. done this one before. Oops. It had to happen eventually. It had to happen eventually. And I- I, I wish it wasn't this one. Because every time I looked at the cover, I kept thinking that the title of the book Frost. was Frost. Yeah. But that's the author's name. Wow. But, yeah. Well, that's the Named author's plume. nommed plume. Um, but yeah, there's there's some treasures in here, starting with the acknowledgments. Um, Ryan, not having read as many of these books as we or have. Or maybe he has. We don't know I his mean, life. maybe you have. I don't know what kind of books <laughs> you're into. I don't know what you read to your five-year-old daughter. <laughs> It's this. It's exclusively that book that you're. you're yeah. yeah, that's why the she napalm. The na- she loves Bed- the napalm scene. Just loves it. Bedtime. Yeah. Some kids yeah. watch Cars yep. fifty times. Yep. Other people read Janine. I mean, uh, Bound by Flames. Yeah. yeah. So if if you were going to write a a book like this, a book with this particular cover, yep. who would you thank first and foremost in the acknowledgments? Wow. Who? I mean, I would probably thank my wife for putting up with whatever I wasn't doing what are, for, for making sure that whatever I should have been doing in life got done while I wrote this book. Yeah. That's probably the right answer. But first and foremost, uh, Janine Frost has to thank God for gifting me with the job I dreamed about when I was a child. Great. That's one good. Great. Everyone as a little kid <laughs> dreams about writing Sex books about Dracula. 
I mean, <laughs> I've met some teenagers. I work in a high school. Yeah, fair. Tonight was parent-teacher conferences. Fair. I had to have that conversation with somebody. That's fair. She also thinks her husband, who has been the love of her life since she was 16, yeah, for teaching right. her everything she knows about romance. So, oh, so I know a little something about her husband all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, he's Vlad the Impaler. There you go. Yeah. That's, a lot him, to li- that's a lot to live up to. Like, I'm just a human man. <laughs> this is literally a book about Dracula. Like, well, it's not just a so book about vampires. Right. Like based on this mm. is literally the 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 male protagonist is Dracula. Okay, and he's married to a woman named Layla who can make a whip out of electricity, mm. just like out of nowhere she can just sure. summon a whip sure, of electricity, sure, sure. and she can read people's worst sins by touching their faces. Oh, like those two tastes that go better together. Totally. I mean, yeah, definitely. When you think about like. If you could be a superhero, what would your two what would your two powers be? Electric whip. Electric what? whip. Dead zone. Read people's <laughs> worst sins by touching their faces. Why is Dracula married? Like, you know, you think about the reasons to get married in in our human society. And some of what them are th- practical. It's like Dracula doesn't need the health insurance. That's definitely not it. Dracula's not filing taxes, so that's yeah. not it. Like I understand, you- but like eternal love, it's sort of like that's your whole thing is Dracula. You don't need to get married for that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think he said during the vow if death can't do them part anymore? Wow. Yeah. Really got to lean on yeah. sickness then. Really got to lean heavily on, <laughs> like, no matter how sick you are. Super I sick. do, bless. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't have an accent. I think it would have been better if they'd written in the accent. Yeah. Actually, that would have made this a lot more. Were fun. you Were you doing it in an accent at any point in your head as you read at it? At one point, I was trying to because yeah. I was like, I really feel like he should have the you accent. Know, he does not. In a book, you can edit out the boring parts. Well, you're supposed to edit out the boring yeah. parts. But I do like to think about what's happening between the scenes, and it's like Dracula being like, can you please close the cabinet doors when you're done finding a plate? <laughs> Just like bitching about how she loads the dishwasher. Right. Because right. and, and listen, Dracula, you've had hundreds of years to figure that out. Some of us are newer to this. Be cool. I just think it's funny that you... <laughs> um, One of the best, like, weird little lines was that at one point he couldn't sleep and he was um like there was nothing on and so he like watched a documentary about death row I remember inmates this oh my and god and he decided that one of the guys in the documentary he believed was innocent so he goes to death row and he breaks the guy out of jail and turns him into a vampire because he he saw a documentary once on a night when he couldn't sleep have you heard this serial podcast? It changed my life. It's just, it's wild. So there's a Hungarian nemesis whose name I can't pronounce. Okay. Uh, and he tries to steal Dracula's wife. So he imprisons her for a while. And then they have to kill him. And that's basically the plot of the book. Uh, uh, that classic archetype, man what? versus nature. <laughs> Uh, man versus self. Man versus Vampire Hungarian. Versus Hungarian. <laughs> what what does Layla use more in this book? The electric whip or the sin touch? The sin touch. Really? We get the sin touch a lot. We only get the electric whip once at the very end. I gotta tell you, if I could if I could know someone's sins by touching them, or I could summon a whip of electricity and you were like, What do you in a given month, what do you yeah. do more? I would be electric whipping all goddamn... Are you kidding me? I would just, like, walk around with it. Like, look at this! Right, right. I don't, I don't go to the roller the, the roller rink nearly enough to show off my electric whip. I don't know how often you guys are roller skating and electric whipping all over the place. Like, at the very least, once I touch someone and learn their worst sin, I'm probably Great. giving them at least, like, a slight touch of the electric whip. Yeah, you know. She also though is just like sort of constantly pulsating with electricity, oh. so she can like mildly electrocute you when sure. she touches you to find out your worst. Is it day. only the face, or does it just always happen to be someone's? Face? I don't know. I think it just always happens. What is the time? Like a hey, good good game. What is the I time? So. What time is this set in roughly? No, the present day. Okay. Like, the, well, I suppose when was this like? 
present day. Oh, there's a there's an extra cover. But it's not a situation where it's like I have to touch you on your face because we live in a time where you wear like shirts to your I'm sure no, it's like 2015. Dracula uh-huh. himself cool. is not wearing a shirt in this. Right, day. that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um the funniest part of this is just how insanely melodramatic it is, which I feel like is par for the course a, for a Dracula book, mm-hmm. but also for any book we've ever read for this podcast. <laughs> um, so Vlad treats their marriage like a game he has to win. Very healthy outlook on long-term relationships, mm-hmm. I think. Very know. long-term. I think I think that's gonna I think that's gonna end well. Um, but then he says a lot of great things like. Thinking I'd lost you is the reason I almost blew up the bedroom in my sleep. <laughs> wow. Okay. He can, he can, they're elemental vampires okay. somehow. So like she's an electric vampire and he's a fire vampire. That classic element, electricity. This <laughs> is, this feels like too much, like, mer- like too much, like, oh, we're going to get merch out of this or we're going to like get a tabletop yeah. game out of this or something. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's like, a class. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. He, at, by the end of the book, figures out how to create fire that's so hot that he melts an entire dungeon, like the whole thing. He, like, melts a hole through it hmm. so they can escape. Yeah. Um, you know, that old chestnut. Um, he says to her at one point, you are my destruction, because if I were to lose you, it would finish me. So it's just like, why are we just so melodramatic? Um... It is also apparently vampire custom that a husband and wife remain together under all circumstances, so they like have to be in the same room. Well, that's what he—that's what he said. Whether that's true or not, we don't no, know. No, she's it. the one who said it. Oh no! Um, I'm like, can you? Do vampires not have to go to the bathroom, or can you not go to the bathroom by yourself? I mean, vampires usually just subsist on blood. Yeah, they don't eat. And so they probably don't need to. In theory, your body already has blood, so there's no like, there's nothing for it to filter. So yeah, maybe yeah. vampires don't go to the bathroom. No wonder they get so much done. Mm. Um. Also, the not sleeping thing, but apparently they do sleep. Yeah, they sleep they during sleep the night. The, during the I day. Yeah. I don't know. Um. It like it was fine. They 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 do get some pretty hilarious like use of their elemental vampire powers at the end when they wait does she power the tv at one point or something yeah nice okay that's score (laughs) one for dickinson remembered it yep good job um yeah he melts a hole in stone they kill the hungarian nemesis there's a very short is the nemesis a vampire as well yes he is also he is older than dracula okay and based on a very convoluted family tree, at one point was Dracula's father-in-law. So really, this is a book about hating your in-laws. Well, now it's relatable. Yeah. No, not really. I, lo- I love my mother-in-law. <laughs> oh my God, he admitted it. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it, I, I have to say, it wasn't great. It was a <laughs> lot better than some of the other books that we've read. Like, okay. There's also the idea that fire is an anti-vampire weapon, right? Isn't it like stake through the heart and then or yeah, burn them. Or burn yeah. them. But that's why he's the most powerful vampire because he can oh, weaponize he's, fire. Against it's like Pokemon. Yeah. He's got vampire and fire type. Exactly. I see. Exactly. Too bad it's not um, wood type. One, other th- one last thing that I think was kind of surprising about this book, the sex scenes <laughs> stopped before you got to the actual sex part, which... For an Avon romance uh, with that cover? Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. That seems yeah. odd. I didn't mind. It's all right. <laughs> all right. I've read some rough sex uh, My last I've question. I've read some rough sex scenes? Yeah. yeah rough yeah. sex scenes. Yeah. At any point, did you have to stop and put the book down and be like, I can't believe he already read this and I, and he's assigned. Like, yes. like why, why have we collectively wasted multiple people's time? On this book. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, I'm like, we should just buy a copy of this book because we've read it more than many of the books that we actually own. Right. At two. Right. Yeah. At two. Now Um, the library. Even at one. Now the library is like, oh, they like. Oh, this is a good one. Yeah. This is a repeat. Into this. Um, Part of me was like, maybe I should. I. I was probably. I don't know. I was close to 100 pages in by the time I realized it. 
And part of me was like, I could finish another book. Like if I, if he got me a different one. Yeah. But I also really don't want to. Sure. So then I was curious about like of all the notes that I've taken or like things that I'm thinking about this book, how many of them line up with what Nick had said the last time. So I did go back and listen to that episode. And the first thing that you said was like, hey, so the acknowledgement. <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> We're off to a good start. Um, um, and then you also, uh, when you read it the first time, got a kick out of the fact that they're elemental vampires. Yeah, that seems like double dipping. Yeah. I choose Elementals to take I choose to take comfort in the acknowledgments because maybe that means that there is a an all powerful, all seeing God out there who decided, in their ultimate wisdom, to put one person on Earth and destine them to write a book about elemental vampire almost sex. Like what? A, yeah. What a what a cool prank! If you're God, to be like that's what you're here for. And our personal penance is to that we as a yep. couple have read yeah. that book twice. Twice, yeah, twice. <laughs> that's also part of God's prank. God's prank on us. Yeah. I'm getting that as a tattoo. What a good prank by God is a is a good tattoo. All right. So Ryan, can you remind me what book I got? You? I got it in the notes. Okay, oh, so okay. you picked uh, "Matched" is oh, the name yes. of, of this book, which is so. by Ali Condi. Yeah, real quick, I have also in the show notes attached a little something called Bibliovile Bingo. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, uh, consistent tropes uh, across our, our types of books we like to check out for each other. Um, so I'm just going to let you kind of, as you're going over it, maybe kind of peruse it real quick, see how many we nail down. Uh, this is, this has been on the Twitter. I'll repost it, uh, for all of you eight followers. Uh, but stuff like the male protagonist talking to his own wiener, given the YA tone that I think we picked for you, I don't know that that's going to come up, Sure. but you better believe I am going to, I'm going to give, uh, 10 to one odds on title case for in plot, important plot elements did stuff like capital, or uh, you know the others get capitalized. Um, <clears throat> yes, yes, we can start <laughs> with that. So, so, okay, great. so in this case, uh, I think it's the society is what it's called oh, is sort of okay. the the both the power structure in place and the thing, the country, the political unit, whatever that they are all a part of. So this is about a like. It reads as like 17, 18 year old girl who at the start of the book goes to a matching ceremony. And what that is, this this all takes place in a like utopia that turns out not to be a utopia. Um, And the whole the whole premise is she goes to this ceremony where uh, that happens all across their nation where. Uh, girls and boys, it's very clear that it's just girls and boys. Um, there's no same sex couples. There's no trans anything, not nothing like there is heteronormative coupling and that's it in the society, uh, where you find out like, this is the person you will be matched with based on some like heavy calculation that the society has done. Mm. an algorithm yeah definitely a good way to to pair people off yes and and it's supposed to be this like big exciting day and it is and then it takes this turn where when she is learning more about her future spouse who happens to also be her best friend like it's just this this incredibly rare thing that never happens in this group um she she gets like a data card that shows her somebody else who also lives in their, his also like in their high school more or less and is sort of like intrigued. And he's like this outsidery. He's not, um, an outcast. He's not like other boys. Right. He's not an outcast from society, but he doesn't have full citizenship rights. He definitely has a tragic backstory involving the death of his parents. Oh, um, yep. Perfect. Which never a really, classic. Yeah. Um, I am looking. So it's it is a very chaste book. So mm. the the only thing that happened there it's it's a kissing only book. There is not even really there's not a description of that much, frankly. Like to get a sense of the world these people inhabit or um, 
what they're sort of like, what the what the setting is like. It's pretty thin, and even the people like have very bare. It's it's sort of the details that like my six year old daughter would give you. This is the color hair that they have. This is if they're <laughs> tall or not tall. Like this, they they wore pants. Like it's it's very base level. So looking through a lot of this stuff, um, it's not necessarily going to. Yeah, Dang. we're not gonna we're not gonna check a lot of boxes here. I'm I'm Do, looking. Oh, is yeah. there a council? <sighs> yeah, there is a council. Yeah, I would say that there is. There's sort of like a number of councils, but so what's what's among the things that are kind of frustrating about this book, which I, I don't think was terrible, and I think like for what it's trying to do, there are better versions of it. The Giver is a book that I've read. It's often compared <laughs> was, to. I was going to say with the the heteronormative, it's the giver, yes, and the taker, yes. Um, it feels <laughs> it's like kind of vaguely Orwellian, but in like sort of like PG dialed down ways. But um, there is a council, and <clears throat> the idea is basically that this girl, the le- the 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 protagonist, whose name is Kasha Reyes, is like trying to figure out whether or not she should conform to the rules and the sort of patterns that her society has set for her, or if she should uh, push back against them represented by this like mysterious Mm -hmm. other boy who she like is slowly more and more falling in love with it. But it does like, it does all these things through these um, incredibly non-subtle ways. Like, her grandfather, one of the parts about the society is that everyone dies on their 80th birthday. Oh. And they get into how that works, that it's they're basically like poisoning old people. So this is like Logan's Logan's run. walk. Yes, Logan's trot, yes. <laughs> um, and before he dies, he gives her uh, like a relic that has a secret poem written in it and it's dylan thomas's do not go quietly into that do not yeah. go gently and it's just sort very of very like subtle super on the nose super yeah. super on the nose very but, subtle but like the character has to sort of grapple with it with like what could this mean what could what could grandfather have been trying to tell me with this uh-huh. um let's see the male protagonist has a feminine hobby no like nobody has any hobbies in this <laughs> Yeah, like, that's not the kind of detail your six-year-old no, describes. So no, no, no. We can't have that. No. Uh, there's no sex scenes. There's nothing sexy at all. The protagonist is some sort of chosen one. Like, yes and no, she is noted for being very good at, like, the task that she is being uh, developed to do. Um, there's no sexual assault. Nobody talks their own wiener. Nobody talks about wieners in any way. <laughs> what even happens in this book then? <laughs> so it's a it's a lot of like it's it's strange because it's a lot of angstiness about who should I pick because at no point does the best friend become like a villain or even like a threat in any way. She's still like, mm. but I love him. It's just it, it's setting him up as the safe choice. And it's setting up this other guy as, like, the more interesting or the more passionate choice. But again, like, we're just talking about, Mm -hmm. like, kissing in the forest or some shit. Um, So it's the Hunger Games. But without without any violence. Like, without... It's just the, like, beginning part of the Hunger Games. Right, right. Speaking as a physical representation of the safe choice, I think she should go that way. (laughs) Uh, I got bad news. She does oh, not. No. Yeah, I know. I know, right? Wild. Oh. Um, and it kind of. I think this is part of a trilogy, uh, if I remember <laughs> correctly. Sure. And it's sort of any YA yeah. novel has to be a trilogy. I, it, I disagree. And it sets up that like they're gonna get into some like maybe darker or more sinister stuff, but almost like there's very little of it in this book. It's mm-hmm. inc- we should have it's... gotten you the third book. Oh, yeah, we usually go oh that, that would have been something. Have yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's. Uh, I'm looking hard. I don't. I don't think there's a way I can give you bingo here. I would love to. That's all right. There's no quirky shops. There's like nobody goes shopping. The whole, this is one of those where it's just sort of like, it reads almost like um, 
this is the world liberals want, where it's sort of like everybody gets their their meals like vacuum tube delivered to them at their house and it's just like uh uh foil wrapped nutrition mm-hmm. mush. Mm. Like there's yeah. nothing yeah, there's nothing interesting to do. Here. So this is like Fahrenheit ninety eight. Yes. Yes. It's <laughs> and it's sort of like and there's there's also no explanation of like it 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 is set it's supposed to sort of be set on Earth after something happened, but there's no indication of like what is this was it like oh global warming spun out of control and so we had to do all these things to like yeah. get the whatever no no indication whatsoever it's it's a weird it's weird because like some of the themes mm-hmm. I think have potential. But like the world building is really spare, and so the bulk of the the bulk of the book is like, I love both of these two boys, and they're so different, and my life is so hard. And did I'm you just imagine like, the protagonist laying on a bed with her chin on her fist, yes, like her, yes. her feet yes. twisted behind her? I feel yes. like that is a description of like the last three episodes of every single season of The Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> it is profoundly boring. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's and it's like it also doesn't cuz this character realizes at some point that like the matching system is also why her parents are together. It's why all parents are together yeah. and it's uh-huh. why she exists. But like when she sort of internally interrogates this and talks to both her parents about this and talks to her mom about it at least, it's like, "Oh, they love each other. This worked out great." There's no like there's yeah. not enough like oh something is wrong here something you know I think if you're gonna do the utopia that is hiding really messed up secrets you kind of have to signal that a little more persistently and a little more interestingly. Mm-hmm. Fair. So other than the lackluster world building, how is the writing? Because I feel like that can get rough with YA books. Um. I tr- so I I tried to remember that like it is not I am not the audience for this yeah, okay. and 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 mostly I felt like it was very handholdy, like yeah. the Dylan Thomas poem is a really good example of like we want you to know how you are supposed to interpret what you what is happening <laughs> right here. Um, I will say this: it had a good twist. So <gasps> you're you're going through the whole book thinking that by some sort of accident she has been presented with this other boy as a potential romantic partner and it's purely Uh an accident and she's sort of spiraling from there and then at the end the like member of the counselor whoever that she's been interacting with here and there is like oh no we did this on purpose because we just wanted to see what would happen and i'm like okay that's at least like recolors what i think has happened gives me something new to sort of like look through but it's it was the only time where it didn't sort of follow the beats that i thought it would writing wise um it's okay like it's a lot of it's a lot of internal monologue it's a lot of like what will this mean for me i should i it's just very direct it doesn't and and it doesn't like there's nothing about the writing or the plot or the description of the of what's happening <laughs> that makes you like sort of be like, oh, well, this could go in many different. It's like, no, I no. understand where this is going and why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Based on mixed reactions to at least four different things you said, I have a feeling his book is going to maybe be a little similar. <laughs> I'm a very a subtle concerned. person. I really yeah. keep a poker face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have one question before we move on. Yeah. Uh, so as you're reading this book, you know, maybe after your kids go to bed or yeah. when they're when they're doing whatever. Uh, what are, what sort of looks did you get from your wife? Did she just sort of shake her head or were you well, conversing yeah. with her as this was going? Here's the good news. Because I'm doing this, like, let's be on as many podcasts as possible. My <laughs> wife has already very begrudgingly accepted that the way I'm choosing to spend my time is uh, perplexing and possibly stupid. And so this I know, was I do just Warhammer, sort of, so I get it. So this was just sort of like one new piece in that puzzle, you know? It's sort of like if you saw a house on fire and you saw a toilet fall out, 
you wouldn't think like, oh, that's you'd just be like, well, the whole thing's a disaster. What does it matter? <laughs> By right. the end of if you're if you're gonna do this all year with trying to be on as many podcasts yeah. as possible. I feel like by the end of the year, you could do literally anything, and she would just be like, "Sure, yeah." I'm on American Ninja Warrior, honey. That's this prob- is American that's Ninja probably, Warrior podcast. Yeah, that that's like, yeah, and and then <laughs> I expect at the end, she will sit down and say like, "So have you ever thought about what you could have done with all that time instead?" And then I'll say, "Oh no, <laughs> oh no." But that's not what yeah. we're doing, is it? Hey, that's, that's not, not for now. That's not for now. <laughs> not what we're doing. That's a, that's a later problem. You're going to rage against that that's dying of the lights. That's a December problem. That's yeah. right. Not that's, a February problem. That's March right. Problem. <clears throat> so I am so excited. We put you second so that you could kind of see, you know, what Sue got up mm-hmm. to and what kind of questions we talk about and how we talk about these things. And we thought about maybe putting you third to make everybody have to listen all the way until you're, you started so that they would have to listen to our stupid <laughs> stuff. Um, but we decided to put you in the middle and I could not be more excited that I get to go after you because my book is, what if your book, uh, went to high school instead of middle school? Your book is <laughs> nine or like, uh, let's call it 12 ish years old. And yeah. mine is a solid 15 Good. and Good. it is, oh, I'm so excited because instead of it being a common, uh, you know, plebeians trilogy, uh, this is, uh, un, deux, trois, four, five, six. Uh, six books long at this oh, point boy. with four novellas uh, and two novella collections. Uh, it in <laughs> It is, and stop me if you've heard this one, a sort of promised utopia that turned out to be a dystopia after some <laughs> vague environmental problem went wrong with the world. <laughs> and now there exists some sort of capital letter uh, plan to put it back in place. Instead oh. of the capital S, society... It is the capital R uh, reestablishment. Ugh. Like, which is not a- none of these books come up with cool names for shit. They always are yeah. just like oh, wow. I got. I gotta capital. just go with like the most the, the plainest possible thing, and it's just like yeah. God. Can't you just like even if you were just like the syndicate or something? It's yeah. like yeah. okay, that's a word with some oomph to it, but it just or like some, re- some cool uniforms. Yes, and, that, and then it, whatever, yeah, just yes. nothing. There's no cool uniform. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I cannot believe that you had Rage Against the Dying of the Light okay. because I managed to have a less serious poem. Oh no! Good. Good. In my older book, and this is the epigraph for the entire book. Stop me if you've heard this one. Two roads diverged in the wood. <laughs> I knew it was going to be this one. I knew it was going to be this one. And I I took the one less traveled by, oh, and that has made all the difference. Oh, man. Uh, by Mr. Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken. Uh, I would also like to point out, just for my own sanity, that the secret meaning of that poem is that it gets to where he's going anyway. And that it did not actually, whatever. Uh, There are no choices presented to this character. I don't know why this is the epigraph. It might as well. There are no choices presented to this character in book one. Clearly, you have to read all the rest of the book. I guess. I have to not only read Shatter Me, I have to start reading Unravel Me, Ignite Me, Restore Me, Defy Me, and finish it off with Imagine Me. I almost got you Imagine Me, which is the last of the six, and I kind of wish that I would have, but this one got the worst reviews, and so I really felt like it needed to be this And one. yet, and yet, there's five more books. Uh-huh. Uh, they just be making series out of, out of nothing these days, huh? Uh, so this is a book about Juliet. Uh, I can't think of any other literary character that that's supposed to remind me of. <laughs> Um, who has this weird thing about her. Uh, it is, she hates it and she doesn't like it, but every time people touch her, she absorbs their life force and they die. This is a book about Rogue from the X-Men. Yeah. Who also didn't like that, so I get it. I I honestly thought you were going to say that whenever she touches them, she can see their sins. their worst (laughs) sins. Uh, no, this is a book about Rogue, except they're... 
is a uh, not at the beginning an X Men that she can join, uh, and I hope that eventually we find the version of Gambit that is in this universe because I just can't wait to read it. And just for you, and because I'm trying to impress this guy, I'm not gonna do my bio voice. So you're welcome. I'm not gonna do my Nolan's voice, and the, the listener <laughs> breathes a sigh of relief. I appreciate that. <laughs> face she just gave you. <laughs> Yeah, so Mana Me knows me better than anybody else, uh-huh. I have to say. Um, so the uh, the dedication from the author is directed right to the reader. Um, the strikethroughs throughout this book, there are pages. Uh, well, yes, every book has pages, but there are sections that are just crossed out, struck through. Uh, because oh, I you did that. No, I you crossed things. Out I also. In the book. Because we own this. Yeah, you bought this. That, that is now a thing that uh, adds to our net I worth. I found it for really cheap on Amazon, so I bought you a copy. Uh, so there are strikethroughs because this is, and I'll get into it in more detail later, the most teenager book that has ever existed. Mm. And I have to give it a little bit of credit. It did remind me about what it was like to be a teenager. And then I remembered, oh, wait, I fucking hated being a teenager and I hate reading this book. So what are the, what are the strike throughs for? They are. Uh, the writing in the series is occasionally as erratic as its main character and serves as a visual representation of the chaos in Juliet's mind. Uh, as our heroine grows and evolves, so too does the prose, and she finds her voice. The strikethroughs disappear. The language softens. Yada yada. They also uh, they number every number instead of spelling it out. You know that old rule about like if it's under ten, just spell it. Yeah. Uh, so at one point, uh, quote, my eyes open to two eyes, two lips, two ears, two eyebrows, and so it's very. I've learned the rules, and now I get to break them, and it's like uh, break them better. Um. So this, to open this us, poor editor <laughs> to yeah. be like, all right, which are we doing bullshit grammar or not at this point? <laughs> I, I feel like at a certain point, you just have to wonder, like, is there an editor? Sure. That's fair. I think she was going for the road less mm-hmm. traveled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> there are some ways of showing you that it's a teenager book. And uh, most of it is that everything is so important like you don't even know you don't even know uh so our main character exists in a mental hospital uh an asylum in this fake future of question marks um wherever it's just uh bad uh so she just exists in an asylum that she has been in solitary confinement for almost a year and she's in solitary confinement because we later find out that when she was at a grocery store, which they apparently have in the post-apocalypse, I guess, like a high V or a Kroger or whatever, uh, there's a little boy whose mother has him on a leash, and she, like, tugs him, and he falls down. And she goes to help him back up, and then, sorry for the parents on this call and elsewhere, like, kills him. And yeah. so she is thrown into, you know, how uh, murderers go to asylums. Um, <laughs> and so she's put into this asylum. Uh and she exists. And then all of a sudden, there's a cute boy that appears in her cell instead. And this boy, I don't mean to shock you guys, but is not like other boys. Sure. I right. will say both of his eyes are the same color. Mm. One of my favorite tropes in terrible books is that we love to have eyes that are two different colors. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The most yeah. common colors are lavender and gray. These Ooh. ones are an electric shocking blue. The bluest eyes. The other person has emerald. The other love interest, who is also the villain of the book and does nothing to ever recommend himself in any way, and yet I think I'm willing to bet in the coming books we'll try to enter that triangle, has green eyes, emerald green eyes. Mm. But in either case, she wakes up. There's a boy. Oh, no. Uh, And he says, what's your name? And then the narration says, the tilt of his head cracks gravity in half. Okay. That's one of those sentences that the author wrote and was just like, oh, fuck yeah, that's some writing. That's some writing ass writing right there. And never bothered to be like, what does that mean? They were, this, this author was just like, I Mm. got this. I got this. This is not a mixed metaphor. It's a missed metaphor. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Uh, And then he, they continue. He's talking. She's like, oh, a boy. And, uh, she says his eyes, something about his eyes. He, she knows this boy. She went to grade school with this boy. Uh, and then uh, struck through, it's not him, not him, not him, not him, not him. 
I close the world away. Lock it up. Turn the key so tight. He says, hey. And then the narration is, my eyes break open. Two shattered windows filling my mouth with glass. I just, uh, yeah. I hate the writing on this. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, yeah. It's really going for it. It's definitely um, going for it. I feel like she went to a workshop where she was told that it's really important to have like visceral visual yes. language. Yes. Oh my um, God. I'm showing something on the camera right now that I don't even know if you can read from a webcam camera. It is an entire page of struck through text that just says, I am not insane over and over again. <laughs> uh, so this is a real uh, shining situation. Uh <laughs> That's that's fun. Um, you know how in like internet articles, there's like pull quotes, yeah. right? They're like the important stuff, big, big pull quotes. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the article, you're like, oh, <laughs> this nice. is where it said that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is that version of it to, I don't know, try and get you hooked or whatever. Uh, so there is a, a segment from the text. Uh, you can't touch me, I whisper, yada, yada, yada. Um, there's a segment from the book that is on the first, very first page other than the cover, uh, and that quote appears on page 11. Oh, so we don't have to go very far to get to Yeah, we, we had the good stuff up front. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Maybe we should have a a rule that if you get to the pull, like, once you get to the pull quote, you can stop reading. Oh, well, what about the (laughs) quote, the, the quote that's on the back as like, this is the theme of the book. When can I stop? Can I stop reading there? Yeah. I would have stopped reading on page 25. (laughs) (laughs) So it really shoots its wad early. It really gets rid of everything that it thought up. Uh, Would you believe that in this post-apocalypse of question marks reasons, uh, the capital R reestablishment is a fascist government that is intent on fixing it. Uh, 10 to 1. uh, that I'm doing a lot of betting odds. I've never done this, but whatever. 10 to 1 that they faked it. Yeah, I just made a dollar. They're faking it. <laughs> uh, it's so, the Hunger Games. The livable land. All in the, of these books are just the Hunger. Games. They were Harry Potter up until they were the hung, until they were Twilight, and yeah. then they were the Hunger Games again, yeah. and then they yeah. were uh, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, which the was not quite. One this flew level. over the cuckoo's nest. <laughs> mixed with a little, with a little moose bouche of. Uh, so. The livable land that is present, still remaining, has been spe- has been cut into three thousand three hundred thirty three sections, and each one of those sections has a capital P, capital P person of power. Oh, that term never comes up again past uh, page yeah, thirty. Sure, the right. rest of the book, yeah. that's the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's. But I there's bet quotes. in book four, it's like, oh, remember that thing? It oh, was yeah. important. I hope you were paying attention. I'm falling in love with the person of power. <laughs> Uh, so I, I wrote down a lot of pages for quotes because I, I own this book so I could, uh, oh yeah. So here's, here's the protagonist is just like me for serious. I spent my life folded between the pages of books in the absence of human relationships. I formed bonds with paper characters. I lived love. I, I lived love. Yeah. I lived love and loss. Sorry. No, I lived love and loss through stories threaded in history. I experienced adolescence by association. Now, uh, credit where credit's due. That's that's pretty good alliteration. Adolescence by association. I That's pretty good. Uh, my world is one interwoven web of words, stringing limb to limb, bone to sinew, thoughts and images all together. I am a being comprised of letters, a character created by sentences, a figment of imagination formed through fiction. That's a lot. Yeah. Sure. Have you ever heard of a band called no. My Chemical Romance? I love it so much. Sorry, Nadia, but come on. The melodrama. Yeah. Yeah, The it is very mellow. So when I said this is what it's like to be a teenager, yeah, every thought you have is the most important thought. I am the protagonist re- of all things at all yeah. times. Yeah. And this woman just happens to be the protagonist of it. This yeah. hate looks just like everybody else until it smiles, until it spins around and lies with lips and teeth carved into the semblance of something too passive to punch. That's the thing about the, like, it has to be vivid imagery yeah but you're not saying anything saying it <laughs> right right and when you oh. over oh. when you overdo it <clears throat> yeah it's That's tiring not. it's really tiring you really yeah. just like i i need you to where i need you to tell me what's going on or where i am i need you to like just do that mm-hmm. and when you want to it, it'd be like if you went to 
if you went to see uh, a musical performance and it was all key changes, you'd be like, this is really wearing my ass out. This is, you know, just at Beyonce next time for love on top. But <laughs> um, So one last just straight up and down quote, because I think you guys are getting the point. But when I when I teach, sometimes I have a tough time explaining like what that thing is, like passive voice that I've always found that difficult to explain to my my high schoolers, like what passive voice is and their and why it's kind of bad. And so if you ever need an example of what a mixed metaphor is, here's here you go. Hope is a pocket of possibility. I'm holding it in my hand. Maybe it's like a pita bread. <laughs> <laughs> the tzatziki of dreams is sl- slurping down my wrist. <laughs> I'm, I'm holding the pocket of hope. Here it is. At, at any point, is, is our protagonist like alarmed that there's a strange man in her previously solitary cell several pages and then she's just like guess this is just what this cell does because uh at one point he's trying to learn the routine or whatever and nobody ever talks to her uh and so like the doors open and it's like it's shower time and the the hallways are like pitch black as if they're like wearing a blindfold but they're supposed Mm -hmm. to get everywhere and so you're like how does this whole building work? And who cares about that? Also, if you have somebody who can't touch other people or they'll kill them, turn the lights on. You don't let them accidentally bump into somebody. Now, Ryan, <laughs> turns out that she can kill basically anybody. But this guy that got put into her cell, oh, he can touch her just fine. It's all right. Oh, no worries boy. there. Oh, I know. He's, he's kind of a special boy. little guy. Yeah. yeah. He's the chosen yeah. one. Um, That's right. So That's right. Yada, like yadying past probably half the book, we find out that this man we get out of the we get out of the jail cell within seventy pages or the asylum within seventy pages. She is being called up to the big leagues of the fascist government, I guess, um, and she's going to be used as like a torture weapon. Reasons, um, and so this guy that's in the jail cell works for the capital R reestablishment. Uh, and so, oh no, was he just, was, am I a fucking bet? Am I a bet yeah, to you? Yeah. Uh, all along to steal a page out of our other, our sister podcast. Uh, probably should have, but, uh, it turns out no, he actually does love her and he's actually in the fascist government so that he could find her, which works out great so that he's, he has no conflict with whatsoever about what he does or is. Uh, so she gets taken to the big house, the headquarters that turns out is not going through a dystopia and has everything they could ever want. Weird. Uh, and we, we run into the big bad guy who is not much older than them, Warner, uh, who wants to basically make her his queen and have him her also be her tor- his torture implement. Because also, she's been in this asylum for a, almost a year. But beyond that, she hates herself so much for, for what she is and does. And she's looked at as a monster that she hasn't looked in a mirror for like three years. And now she's growing into like an 18-year-old. And the, I know this is going to sound crazy. But she's hot, but she doesn't know she's hot. <laughs> As like, One Direction told me. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that that's kind of like an interesting angle that's to take. makes you beautiful. And so that's right. Uh, that's right. She is She is alone. And it was kind of a good shout out. Like there's this huge. Oh, sorry. Can I ask, why are they using her to torture people if she just kills them? Because assumedly she can be told to like take their her hand off. It's not like an immediate like Grim Reaper situation. It's a rogue. You know the X Men, obviously. You're really in depth with the pop culture. Yeah, you know a lot about the X Men. So it's See, like I would, a, I would just put her in a room and be like, "All right, we're gonna bring in I don't know a guinea pig and be like, watch, do that, yeah. kill the guinea pig, and be like, and that if you don't tell us, that could be you. That could be you." For all that really great information that torture brings out, I yeah. can't tell why yep. enough. Hey, this doesn't work, folks. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention, she meets Warner, and he gives her a, you and I are not so different on oh, page 120. Great. So someone let Brian Grubb, Danger Guerrero, know, please. <laughs> um, sorry, I just want to mention other Twitter heroes of mine while well, I got one. Now, um, I, have, I, I have one question. Yes. It feels like the mental hospital scenario is ripe for unreliable narrator is that a thing in this at all certainly feels like it would be yeah anyway <laughs> uh, are, we get, are we getting to 
No, we are not. We oh, are not okay. getting to okay. it. Okay. Maybe maybe book no, 13. Or Mental Hospital does carry through in the strike throughs. I think that the unreliable narrator was a, a writing workshop that the author didn't make it to because they got really hung up on the vivid imagery writing workshop. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. I'm so busy with we didn't, my... We didn't my escalate far enough to unreliable. Did I, did I tell you all about that? You guys didn't really respond to my whole hope, holding the hope pocket thing. So I don't think this class is for me. Listen, look, this at, look at my pita full of hope. <laughs> um, turns out she's hot. I already said that. Her teeth are, and I quote, this is a really weird way of putting it, unnaturally straight. I mean, I... I guess. Like braces? I, I don't know. She has veneers on. I so th- for the rest of yeah, it. Yeah, that's that's what it makes sound like. She's got caps or something, yeah. which is not hot. Yeah. No. She's like, hey, folks. Hey, boys. Off-putting. Right. Yeah. She's baby Billy. The whole thing. Uh, but she's just being held captive in a real, like, uh, they're trying to Stockholm Syndrome her. But then they make the guy who they put into her cell, like, her cage uh, watch over her at night, despite the fact that there are also cameras in the room. I don't know. And so they begin to get to know each other. And it turns out she like he grabbed her journal and he can take her into the bathroom where there are no cameras. Thank you, fascism, for respecting my personal space. Um, And so they sometimes talk in the bathroom. And there is a lot of smooching in this book because they can touch each other. But it always so like it's not it's not an 18 year old book. It's a 15 year old book. And so it's always smooching. And we're not quite. Pardon my language, but we're not quite to dry humping yet. And so it's a bunch no, of smooching, yeah. a lot of longing, a lot of tension. And so these are supposedly 18-year-olds in the same room all the time. And then later they escape. Imagine that. And uh, they continue to be together. And they, they like it's as if only the previous scenes have happened. Nothing more has developed between the scenes. And so they want each other just so bad. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is also what it was like to be a teenager (laughs) and not know how to do anything else, but just want a bone really bad. Uh, And so what they do instead is, you know, in the movies, the rom-coms, how they're about to smooch and then someone comes in the room. Yeah. uh, You know, foiled again. How about we do that like 80 times so that we never actually have to have them do anything but smooch? Right. Right. Um, Then they go to escape. They, they go to escape. She, uh, they draw a gun on the big bad guy. They escape out the window because he has rope. Uh, and it turns out in the escape, the big bad guy grabbed her by the ankle and nothing happened. He also can touch her. So it seems like she's not as dangerous as she thought. Uh, so then they escape, and they're escaping into the unregulated zones where we're not yeah, part of the Yeah, which is also, my book also has one of these. Two. Perfect. Yep. Uh, yep. Mine is made up of a nuclear energy source that melted down and exploded, so everything's super radi- radiated. But don't worry, because these guys are special, so they're not going to get sick. And it's like, why did that enter into the plot if nothing happens? We needed it to. Well, the thing is, we needed it to because the boy in the army has had like a, a, a liquid in, a tracker injected into his veins. And so now, by going through the nuclear fields, it undoes the tracker. And both of those concepts are introduced <laughs> in the same section. <laughs> why did you introduce a liquid tracker if you're just going to undo it with the nuclear field thing? Right. It does, like, neither of them had to happen. It's... I, I sometimes, like, if you don't outline your books, you're going to run into stuff like this. If you outline your books, you're not going to have spontaneity. But, like, someone should have caught this on a double pass that you invented a problem only to solve it. Just don't invent the problem. Whatever. So they escape into the uh, the nonsense, and they're, now they're on the run. Uh, and they, they go on the run, and they're succeeding in getting away. Um... And she she later finds out she has superpowers because she claws through a 12-inch steel door. Okay. Uh, her, her boyfriend has been captured and held behind a 12-inch steel door, and she claws through it. So that happens at the end of it because uh, then they find the actual underground resistance, which is made up of other people who have special powers like being able to kill whoever they want with a touch, except they're not all bad. Uh, one guy can turn invisible. The other guy is pretty flexible. <laughs> 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 and so would you believe it that this is a literally underground resistance that has a base that is underground and they have all sorts of stuff and about one quarter to a third of the resistance has these special powers and the book ends with her getting a cool spandex uniform 
that uh, is mostly colored purple and includes some cool boots and some gloves. And she joins the X-Men at the end That's- of this book. <laughs> <laughs> and so it really truly is Rogue, the book. And so I'm willing to bet in the future books we find out what Adam, Juliet and Adam, what Adam's actual cool power is. Uh, so the last scene is her zipping up the super suit and basically everyone's like, dang, you're hot, which is a great way to end a book. Uh, yeah. And then there's an epilogue that is two pages long. And this epilogue <laughs> consists of two characters coming back into that exact same room. And then they, uh, that's it, they, it ends. So the epilogue is basically two people come back in the room, exchange looks, and then the book ends with a note of optimism, as these books tend to do. So I'm ha- I, uh, your book uh, went to a couple concerts, is thinking about getting a tattoo when they turn 18. Uh, and that became my book. So very exciting stuff. Shatter me. Uh, catch it today. Catch all six parts is, today. What uh, is there a shatter? Like what is shattered? Okay. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I, I have no idea. Sorry, there's an audio medium. But teenager, like probably, her, she just sort of genuinely feels sh- emotionally shattered. I guess. Sure. I just, I just day. was waiting for like, oh, there's this scene. There's this scene where she looks in the mirror and she like punches it and nope. shatters it. Like, you know, no. you, you usually these books have some sort of nominative determinism of sorts where you're sort of like, wow. oh, that's the titular line. There it is. Yeah. No, she. It just felt dramatic. She fell in right. love and she's Juliet, I guess. That's that's nominal. Yeah. Um, I, I suppose the third book, Ignite Me, I'm willing to bet we find out Adam's power has something to do with fire. fire. Yeah, yeah. they're all elemental vampires. That's, that's right. right. The that's element right. of electricity. It's, the element it's the of crossover rogue. event we've all been waiting for. Yep. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> It's going to be perfect. <laughs> the CCU, the crappy cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. All right. So mm-hmm. that is that is my book wrapped up. That is all three of our book wrapped up. Uh, we've held you for a while here. Thank you so much. I know it's uh, a pretty late night for a parent of two. It's a late night for a parent of one and a half. Yeah, I'm normally um, in bed an hour and a half ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you're growing a kid. So yeah. you have two skeletons. You have two skeletons yeah, in you right correct. now. So correct. Uh, we just want to thank I you. Always, I had told my wife always, I was like, you have two buttholes right now. She didn't like that. <laughs> she didn't like that at all. Four kidneys. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So if we haven't said enough, thank you so much for coming on, Ryan. We, we really for, appreciate it. Thank you again for having me. Um, no, thank you for picking this book, but. Could have been worse. I think, I'm, I think of the. Yeah. You yeah. could have gotten Shatter Me. Yeah. It was a I don't think I would have done well with Shatter Me. I think I'm I think I'm happier with the one I got. It was 50-50. <laughs> I picked out two books and I said, yeah. "Nick, you get to send one to Ryan and you get to have the other for yourself." So, I, real Nick, secret I appreciate the choice that, yeah. yeah, I appreciate sure. the choice that you made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, we appreciate you coming on sacrificing not only your time tonight but also your time across the the hours of reading. Uh, so thank you so much. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Sure. Sure. Uh, people can find you at celebrity hot tub. Uh, anything else you, you care to say right now? Full cast? Nah. Uh, yeah. Shut down. Full cast, uh, persists despite, uh, the better <laughs> judgment of almost everyone involved. Uh, so you can listen to that, uh, which, um, can't stay on topic. Can't yeah. stay focused at all. Thank you so much. Uh, my name has been and will continue to be Mick Dickinson. You can find me on Twitter at Dickie Ma. And I'm Susan Dickinson. You can find me on Twitter at Susan J. And I put it on music. the notes. I know. We switched our intro music and I knew the old intro music and now I don't anymore. The intro music to our podcast is Candy Apple Red by the band... Annabelle Chairlegs. There we go. Off, off of their, their album. album. Gotta be in love. I don't know, it's not I'll learn we... that eventually. Eventually. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a good night.